Mike Krzyzewski in this particular case is a basketball leader, coach, and adapted from year to year, depending on the kind of how he's going to make lemonade, depending on the lemons he's going to have. But the question is that, is there evidence in your research or in the literature of those leadership skills or competencies or traits that transcend the domain? Can a great military leader becoming great leaders in industries, for example, and where does it work and where does it fail? Do you have some example of a transfer or skill transfer from one domain to another, whether it works or not? Steve, what's your thought on that? I think the fundamental skills of leadership do transfer from situation to situation, from domain to domain, because leadership fundamentally is about problem solving, social influence, leading and motivating others. We could talk about a range of fundamental leadership activities that we see in different domains. Now, that doesn't mean that the same person can be a very effective business leader and then you pop them into um, coaching a team, for example, or running an academic. I mean, there's been many instances of failures of people, for example, who are great military leaders, then you put them in charge of, of a business and it fails. And to me, that is more about not understanding the changes in the context. Number one, how the context is changing. Two, also basically knowledge. Leadership is a cognitive exercise. A lot of leadership is about thinking and understanding your context. And that takes a basic knowledge of that context. So when I hear about, can you be a, the question, can you be a great leader in one setting and other settings as well? If you don't have the core basic knowledge of that setting, then that's where you may stumble unless you build a, a group of experts around you that can do that. So you know, on one hand, I just believe that the skills and capacities of leadership are the same across different domains, but the actual solving of particular problems within particular contexts needs more than that. And that's where you often see leaders who try to go to different situations stumble a bit. Yes. And sometimes you see that the stumbling, so to speak, even within business, but people who shift from one type of industry to another. Yeah. As you said, there is that knowledge component, but there is also the whole internal dynamics of an industry may be very different than another. And to go back to adaptivity, adaptability, that quality that the leaders should have to not only to understand that they're in a different situation, but also to have in them what it takes to adapt to that new situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where I've seen stumbles, where a leader comes in, you know, from outside, comes into an academic setting, for example, and, and assumes that the context is the same. I've watched a lot of military leaders go into the civilian sector and say, wait, this isn't like the military. The failure there is not to recognize the shifts in the context of the situation, understand what that means for your leadership and adapt accordingly. Now, there's so much in that statement. I said, understand what that means for your leadership. I will just add that a lot of leaders don't think about their leadership. When I work with executives and leaders, I often finish my first session with them by saying, my homework for you is to be curious about your leadership. Think about your leadership. Understand who you are as a leader, because that's how you can then understand how you will interact with situations and how you're thinking about situations. And a lot of leaders aren't self-reflective. The great ones are. You know, when I've met some leaders and they talk about it, they can expound on what leadership is and can be humble about their own leadership as well as recognize where they could be great. And that helps them get into situation. When you crash into a situation and say, this is like my old situation, I was great in my old situation, and therefore I'm going to apply it here because I was great in that situation. And it crashes and you blame them 
when maybe you needed to be a little more self-reflective and understand how your leadership display needs to change as a function of that situation. A lot of qualities, leadership qualities in there that we need to be thinking about. Absolutely. I am smiling inside because I've seen a couple of those transfer, even on uh, my own personal experience. But I remember working with a military, with a four-star admiral, who was literally the commander of the Pacific forces. So he had half of the earth under his command, literally. And he was a great military leader. He literally commanded all the forces in the Pacific Ocean. And he retired at an early age, like many of those uh, of those flag officers retired relatively early, uh, early enough to enter industry. And he was miserable in industry because he grew up, he spent 30 years in an environment when things happen, when you give a short order and things just happen. And that's not the reality in industry. Even though he understood that, He was smart enough to understand the difference. He didn't have in him what it took to adapt to the new reality. So that's an example. Ron, do you have some example of successful transfer or or unsuccessful ones? Well, uh, we see what you just described from military to industry. We see it from industry to academia. So people who've been in industry and come to the academic setting and they are frustrated by the pace by the number of people they have to get involved and and how it all works. I have been in several conversations with donors or stakeholders or people who, you know, want to have something to say about the university and they'll blurt out like, why can't the president just tell them what to do? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I see it doesn't quite work that way. Right. As you pointed out early in my introduction, I'm working on the strategic plan for the university. And we had a moment where I'm sitting with the board of trustees And faculty have come to kind of listen and share their feedback on the process so far. And I don't necessarily have to tell you, you know, how faculty can be in those settings, right? And the trustee leaned over to me and said, well, that's why I don't let employees get involved in my strategic planning in my company. And I was like, if the faculty were employees, the way you're people are employees, then yeah, that would be true, but it's not the same. And to lead that way and have expectations and demands and the nature of the circumstance, it's just not the same entity. And so I think to your point about the military transfer, and I think to Steve's point about kind of recognizing how the willingness and the ability to recognize how the situation and the demands and the networks and the politics and the pockets of power are different from one situation to another and willingness to like see that the ability to recognize it and you know the humility to adapt to it is so critical because I think what Steve points out like people will rely on you know how great they were yesterday as explanation for why you should listen to them today. And it's like, yeah, that's great that you did that over there, but this is a different issue. To get back to the original question, I have always admired Steve's early work, Steve, on the functional role of leadership, like leadership as a function and leadership's role in group functioning. You know, it's nice to talk at a high conceptual level about the philosophy of influence and so forth. But most of us live with the idea that leadership has a purpose. Like when someone's in that role or people assume the leadership role, It is for a particular function, like we have to coordinate activity or we have to create certainty where there's not certainty 
or we have to navigate the complexity, as Steve pointed out, of information or of you know accelerated competition or whatnot, right? So the leadership role has a function, and it's not necessarily you know the responsibility of one person, all right? There could be a dozen people in the group who can fulfill the function of leadership to provide clarity, to help with coordination, to overcome the agency problems that always exist, right, in groups. And so I think when people have transitioned from one business to another or one situation to another and have been successful, I had the ability to recognize how the situation has shifted and the humility and the willingness to shift accordingly and to have a mindset of like, what is the leadership for? Like, what am I expected to be doing here? What is needed of the leader now in this situation at this time? And am I willing to do that? Because again, we can all point to examples of people who you know think we're supposed to do this when everybody else wants to do that. And that's a disaster. Yeah, I wanted to jump in on that. First of all, I love that expression you gave on humility to adapt. The concept of humility, the trait of humility is really a focus of a lot of recent leadership research and humility as a powerful leadership trait, a quality. And I think it's because of this, because it may contribute to adaptation, the humility to adapt. Ron just talked about my focus on leadership functions and so forth. I want to go back to what he said earlier about relationships. If you notice in the mishaps and disruptions that we talked about of leaders moving from one sector domain to another, what is changing is the fundamental nature of the relationships. So the nature of relationships in the military are different than in the private sector or even in the civilian sector of the government. And the nature of relationships, as Ron and I both know, is very different in academic settings from business and so forth. So when people stumble, as we said, it's a failure to recognize how the nature of the relationships have to change. And this goes back to what Ron mentioned earlier, that at its core, leadership can't happen without followership. And social influence can't happen without relationships between the influencer and the influencee, if I may add. And just to make it more complex, Ron mentioned groups of people can lead. And that means you must understand what the relationships are among those people and how those relationships can shift so that one person steps up to take the leadership role informally, even within a formal system. To me, that's what's critical about where leadership is going. So humility to adapt and the shifts in the nature and type of relationships across situations is which I think adds to the complexity of doing leadership. I like very much the conversation of the past 10 minutes because it shows how in a very tangible, practical way, insight from your research could help leaders talk about this notion of influencing and relationship management and I love that phrase too, humility to adapt and empathy and all these other key aspects or key dimensions 